Welcome to the podcast, and it's big game week. Texans, Titans, and the biggest game these two teams have ever played against each other. So let's get ready. Let's talk about it today with our guests, Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. I always love catching up with Mike, and we've been around for a long time. He's been around longer than I have in this league. When the Oilers moved to Tennessee, he got the gig. He was working for the Volunteer Radio Network, not as the voice, not as the voice of the Volunteers, but certainly helping them out. And he became the voice of the Titans, and he's been that way ever since. Really like Mike, one of the good guys in this business. And Andre Ware, we'll visit with him as we always do every week. Why not? Let's get his take on things. And also Heisman stories as he's going to New York for the Heisman ceremony, 30th anniversary of when he won it. And we've been talking about that all year long because why not? It's a 30th anniversary. It's a big deal. A big deal is also Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers bringing their truck to your place to feed you the great stuff they've got, the frozen custard, the steak burgers, the fries. It's all there, Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. All right, let's get to the podcast here, or the guests anyway, as Mike Keith joins us, voice of the Titans, and we talk to Mike about good times in Tennessee. What's it like to be with the Titans in this run that they're having right now? I think it's exciting, Mark, and... Uh... Happy holidays to you and, and all your listeners. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, an exciting time of year to have a ball game like this, uh, probably two ball games like this in the next three weeks. And to, to be in the middle of all this when we were two and four, I don't know that we thought we would be here. So uh, Titans fans are, are very excited about this opportunity. Well, other than Ryan Tannehill coming into the starting lineup and doing a really good job, other than that, we'll get to him. What is going well for the Titans? What else has changed for this football team in this recent surge? You know, Mark, I think it's a lot like what happened with the Texans last year. You guys got off to what was it, an 0-3 start? And yep. then had things kind of come together throughout the year. And that's pretty much been the Titans' story as well. Uh, Taylor LeJuan's suspension cost them continuity in the offensive line early on. There were some things they wanted to do with personnel that they couldn't. They were in a situation where the quarterback play, as you mentioned, was not as good as what they hoped it would be. And all the pieces just weren't fitting together on offense. And so uh, with the quarterback change, with LaWan back in the lineup, with Nate Davis settling in at right guard, uh, with the sort of the realization they weren't going to have Delaney Walker again, they've kind of settled into roles. People have kind of grown up. And I think the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, has also become more comfortable in his role as well. Well, let's talk about Tannehill now because this is a better Tannehill than we've seen in Miami. The completion percentage way up, yards per attempt, all the numbers are there. So give me a glimpse of that and also the intangibles that you're seeing with Tannehill at quarterback the difference in ryan Tannehill is that he has been in this system for nine months now and because he is athletic like mariota maybe not as fast but because he's athletic they have not had to completely alter the system when he came in and so for the offensive players everything's remained the same and for Tannehill, it's been a system that has remained the same and so what Arthur Smith has wanted to do is something they've been able to build on for several months. Uh, when we've made quarterback changes in the past, for example, when we went away from Vince Young to Kerry Collins, we had to throw everything out. 
completely different style player. That doesn't just affect the quarterback. That affects the whole offense. In this case, they haven't had to throw anything out. And so, Mark, I think that continuity has been a big deal. Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans, joining us on Texans Radio. Derrick Henry seems like he gets better with age, not that he's old, but as he progresses through his NFL career, what are you seeing in him? Henry gets better as the year goes on. That has always been the case with him. For a young man who's from Jacksonville, Florida, it's surprising that he really likes cold weather and he runs very well in cold weather. The other part, too, is he understands, and and Eddie George really got him to understand this a year ago, he has the opportunity to punish tacklers at the end of play. And if he can do that, he's going to make them less aggressive as a game goes along. And so when he sort of got that message from Eddie and he took it to heart, that's when he has really been able to turn it on. He's been good all year. He really has. His consistency has been outstanding. He's undoubtedly the most valuable player of the offense. But now with the complementary elements that Tannehill is bringing into the offense through the passing game, Derek is getting much more effective as he's seeing less less eight- and nine-man boxes. All right, so this A.J. Brown, Mike, he's a rookie, and there's no rookie wall here. If anything, he's getting stronger as the season goes on. What about what he brings? He brings a lot of attitude. You know, he is a big, wide receiver. He's unusual, Mark, that he's six feet tall, just a little bit over, and he's nearly 230 pounds. When you see him walking down the hall, you think he's a running back or a linebacker. You don't really see him as a wide receiver, and yet he has extremely long arms, like he's 6'4", 6'5". He has good speed. Uh, you know, he ran 4'4", 9 at the combine. He doesn't have world-class speed, but on the field, all of these elements come together to make him a very different kind of player. Uh, my color analyst on Titans Radio is Dave McGinnis, the former NFL head coach. He drafted Anquan Bolden in Arizona, and he compares him favorably to him. He said, you know, when you see him, you don't think about all of the attributes that you you normally think in a great wide receiver, you know, those long, lean players or those exceptionally fast players. What you have in him is a football player, and his run after the catch is excellent. He also played multiple positions at Ole Miss, Mark. He played inside. He played outside. And so his learning curve is very high in terms of his level of understanding. He's a nice player. You know, we'll see how he finishes in the last three games. But I think he has a lot of upside, and the Titans are certainly excited about it. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us. All right, so, Mike, give me a couple of guys who aren't getting the ink, aren't getting the coverage that you think should be highlighted as we look at this game on Sunday. I think Harold Landry's one uh, developed nicely in his second year. Uh, When I think about the Texans, I think about all the disruptors that you've had over the years down there, Uh, the most current guy being Whitney Merciless, obviously, with his 48 sacks and his 13 forced fumbles. Now the Titans have a guy of that ilk. Uh, Not saying he's as good as Whitney Merciless, but in in his second year, Harold Landry has become disruptive. Last week did not have a sack in Oakland for the first time in six games, and yet made three plays that were huge. 
you know, things that don't necessarily show up in the stat line. And so that's a, that's a big part of this football team. I think Logan Ryan is the other player to me that I think is underrated on this football team. Over 100 tackles, three and a half sacks, four interceptions. The Titans' secondary was the deepest part of their team early on. Now they are exceedingly banged up, and they're having to ask for more from a guy like Logan Ryan, and he continues to do a really, really nice job. Uh, the Titans' secondary at this moment is patchwork, and for a guy like him to step forward and do what he's doing is extra important down the stretch. All right, so, Mike, what about Mike Vrabel in year two? Any differences that you're noticing as he gets more acclimated to being a head coach in this league? You know, I think that's the most interesting part of Mike Vrabel, Mark, is there's no change. There's no change from the moment that he walked into the building. There's no change from – there's really no change in anything. Um, he's obviously happier after we win than when we lose. Uh, but he's still not happy. <laughs> he's he's uh, mm-hmm. constantly striving. He's pushing. I, I know you guys know him well down there. I think Vrabel's consistency is his biggest key, is the team knows what he wants, and they know what to expect from Vrabel. They also know Vrabel has their back. He was like that at 2-4. and four. He's like that at 8-5. and five. And I think that's the key to him. He's uh, he's a pretty special guy, and I, I think a lot of people begin to realize at this moment how special he is with what he's trying to build here. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, with us. A couple more for you, Mike. AFC South, which is more surprising to you, that the Jags have struggled so much or that the Colts had the success they did? And I know they're struggling now, but for a while it looked like they were really going to make a run toward the top of the division. Your thoughts? To me, it's the Jags. Uh, you know, we saw them early in the season, and Minshew was playing well, and they got to, you know, they started 0-2, they got back to 2-2, and and you really felt like they were going to be in this thing because their defense was so good, and they've got the run game, and, you know, all of these things going on, and uh, they've just fallen off the map. And I can't, I can't fathom that one because their defensive talent is outstanding, particularly up front. Um, they go out and sign Nick Foles. Minshew played well when he was in there. Their offensive line took a beating a year ago, but it, it seemed like it was better this year. Uh, I, I don't get them. I really don't because I thought I thought there was a chance they'd be right in the middle of it. I really believed before the season that the winner of this division would be 10-6, and six, and I thought there was a real chance that last place might be 8-8. Eight and eight. I thought it was that tightly bunched, and I'm, I'm really surprised they're going to finish as down as they are. Okay, and you and I are play-by-play announcers, so we don't really make predictions, but how do you see the game on Sunday, what type of game it is, how it's going to be played in Nashville on Sunday at noon? I mean, I think what you understand is this is a punch-counterpunch game. You know, I mean, I was a huge Deshaun Watson fan coming out of Clemson, and when I saw him land in our division, I was very disappointed Mm -hmm. uh, because I just think he's so special. He's got something that very few players do, and you know he's going to show up and play well in a big game. So you know you're going to have to take punches. You know DeAndre Hopkins is going to play great against the Titans because he always does. His stats show it. So you're going to get that. 
you understand it's going to be standing in the middle of the ring in the 12th round and whoever can land the blows in the 12th round going to win it. I think this game comes down to the last drive. I will be stunned if it, it doesn't, particularly with how these teams like to play. The Texans will be ready to go. I think the Titans will be ready for the challenge as well. Um, you know, I, I couldn't begin to make a prediction. I'm glad I don't have to go to Vegas on this because I have no idea. But the, the one thing I'm confident of is this one is going to go back and forth, and how you stand up to the punches is going to determine who wins the game. I, I totally agree with that take, Mike. Thanks a lot, my friend. We really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in Nashville on Sunday. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you. There's Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans. All right, let's get to my buddy Andre Ware, and we'll start here. It's a playoff atmosphere on Sunday, no doubt. Sellout crowd in Nashville, a lot on the line. Big time, big game vibe, Andre. I see it the exact same way in terms of uh, from a momentum standpoint to finish out uh, the season. You play this team twice. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to really get a leg up. You, you've already got, in terms of a tiebreaker, the better uh, record within the division. So uh, going forward, you may you just want to make sure that you close it out, so to speak. And, and this is the perfect opportunity to do it on the road. It's going to be a tough game because it always is. It's always a physical football game, especially when you go to Nashville and play them at, on, their own, in their, on their home turf, so to speak. Andre, we touched on Ryan Tannehill a bit on Monday, but here he is, and he's deep into his career, change of scenery, and we talk about how change of scenery is good for players from time to time, but clearly very good for him and system and everything else. I mean, he's so much better in this short amount of time than he was at any time with the Dolphins, and why do you think that is? Well, I think there are better players around him, Mark, first and foremost, and you look at better weapons and and so on. The offensive line is certainly better. In Miami, he was around the, an organization that really did, hadn't committed uh, to winning football games. In Tennessee, uh, with Mike Vrabel as the head coach, the organization in itself is to- a totally different environment. And you add players like Derrick Henry and, and uh, Corey Davis, uh, Janu Smith, uh, and I can go on and on. Uh, they've put some pieces around him where all he's got to do is distribute the football, and, and he's done that. He's a talented player, I think an unestimated uh, runner in that in that that part of his game, so he can cause some problems as uh, when he pulls the ball down, and he's an accurate passer. So these guys have been looking for consistency at that position for a long time. They thought they would get it with Marcus Mariota, the injury bug, whatever else you might add to that dynamic hasn't allowed him to prosper, but it has with Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry having a terrific year, second in the league in rushing. When he came out, did you expect this kind of production from him? Is this the kind of pro career that you were expecting for Derrick Henry? I don't know that I would say expecting because, you know, Derrick is the back that once he gets going, uh, he is a load to bring down. But if you cause him to, you know, to alter approaching the line of scrimmage, that's the reshuffle and, and, and change directions then you got a pretty good chance to get him down because you get numbers to the ball. He's a big back, and it's a lot to ask for in terms of bringing him down one-on-one for anybody. He's got a big stiff arm. Uh, the speed, once he turns the corner, is going to make it tough for anybody on the second and third levels of the defense. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know if I expected this type of success. Uh, I know he had talent, but uh, the offensive line he runs behind gives him the opportunity to – 
to approach the line of scrimmage with a full head of speed, and, and that's when he's extremely dangerous. When you look at what happened last week, Trey, we want to forget about it, and so does the team, but I always feel yeah. in the NFL it's proven time and time again that what you did last week has nothing to do with what you're going to do next week, and I hope that's the case again because clearly it was from the Patriot game to the Denver game, and now from the Denver game you've got to be sharp against the Titans. So what are you expecting here from this football team as far as the psychological rebound and how they need to rebound on the football field in general? Oh, I, I think it's uh, total focus and, and kind of a reset uh, the way they did after the Baltimore game, getting ready, you know, a week or so later for the Patriot for the Patriots game, um, it's the same thing. And, and in the manner it happened, in it really causes you to focus, and and it also allows you to to think that hey, uh, we can't just roll our helmets out on the field and expect to win a football game. It's the NFL. We've got to go play and play hard each and every single week because anybody can beat you. And I think that's what last week really kind of was a wake-up call and, and, a, and a proving point that that's exactly what it is from week to week. Coaches can game plan. Uh, they get paid to, to find the weaknesses of your football team. Uh, and I think Denver was able to do that. You underestimate it because it's a rookie quarterback and a 4-8 and team coming in with a rookie quarterback making his second career start and maybe take him for, for granted a little bit, and, and that was the wake-up call, I think. Andre, we're joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, the Patriots, they lost to the Chiefs at home after losing to the Texans, and they had that close game with the Cowboys, but they won that one at home. So where do you think they're at right now, Andre, as far as getting ready for the postseason, what kind of run they might be able to put together? It's not like they're really hurting. They have 10 wins. They should look good for a bye, but they still have to finish things out. What do you think moving forward? Well, you look at the teams that have beaten them, and, you know, you go to Baltimore, mobile quarterback, a guy that forces you to play 11-on-11. They've got speed on the perimeter. Uh, You look at the Texans, same situation. And then this week with the Chiefs, who have basically the most speed of any offense in the league. So they can't sit and play in the box with you. You, They want you to play within the confines of the line of scrimmage, which is 7-on-7 or, you know, and sometimes – eight against eight where they can they can play man-to-man. They want to play smash-mouth football. When they face teams that will spread them out, that's when they're going to have trouble because they want to stay in their base defenses and keep big linebackers on the field. It's matchup problems everywhere. Teams with tight ends, teams with quick running backs, teams with slot receivers matched against linebackers that can beat them in zone coverage. That's going to cause some problems for the Patriots. I think for the first time in a very, very, very long time, there is some doubt that's created and on both sides of the ball for what I just described and with Tom within the offense and Tom Brady because the weapons just aren't there. It may be young talent that hasn't developed the chemistry with, with Tom Brady yet or just the lack of talent as a whole. There's no really go-to receiver other than Julian Edelman, James White out of the backfield. You could take those components away, and then where are you when, when those younger players aren't making plays on a consistent basis. I think there's a there's a little bit of doubt that seeps into New England uh, for the first time in a long, long time. Andre, we're joining us. Andre, we don't have time to get into all the matchups this week, but one that's interesting, if the Texans are lucky enough to be playing in January, they could meet up with the Steelers or possibly the Buffalo Bills, and those two teams will meet on Sunday night, which I think is a good matchup. Devlin Hodges yeah. playing pretty well for Pittsburgh right now, and Buffalo, obviously, with all that defense, and Josh Allen sort of coming of age. 
Yeah, with the Steelers, I think it's the best coaching job that Mike Tomlin has ever done. Mm. Uh, with with what they have, the injuries that have that have taken place on that team, uh, inconsistency. You're starting a quarterback, a rookie quarterback at that that uh, that has won three in a row, uh, and then a defense that has been marred by injuries, so on and so forth. Uh, suspensions. You throw that into the mix, and yet he just continues to win football games. The guy is in my mind, one of the better coaches in the entire league, and, and as I mentioned, the best job that he's done. And you, you factor that in against Buffalo, who's got a young, talented football team. I think Josh Allen is really going to be a star in this league for years to come. Uh, a mobile quarterback is a good mix of just kind of hard-nosed football facing off with those two teams playing. You can, I, I think you flip a coin as to who wins that football game. All right, so you're going to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony before the game with the Texans and the Titans on Sunday. And give me an idea. I know it's a fraternity, but and I know that you like all the guys or whatever, but give me a couple mm-hmm. of guys that you really enjoy seeing that stand out to you when you're able to get back to New York or go to any of these Heisman-type reunion events. Yeah, I mean, you enjoy spending time with, with, with each and every one of them, but you know Desmond, who I who I have the luxury of working with, and at uh, at ESPN, we're really close. Uh, George Rogers, who anytime there's a golf course close around, and we both mm-hmm. got our our golf bags, we're gonna stick a tee in the ground and tee it off, tee off and play some golf. Uh, Tony Dorsett, because I, I grew up really uh, idolizing not the Cowboys so much, but just him as a player, and was always in awe of him. Uh, there, there are so many others that that uh, that you can't name, and then of course the younger generation that guys, some are still playing that won't be there, but other ones that have just completed uh, their playing experiences and their careers that that are there. It's just a fun overall time, and I think the thing that really bonds you together is that uh, we've all kind of gone through the same thing in order to win the award. You've had to really uh, block out the the noise that surrounds what you're going through in a season. Nobody can really relate to that. And uh, except the guys that are in that room. And so there's an appreciation. There's not one who thinks that he's above the other because we all have the same hardware. So we're all on equal footing, so to speak. And that, and that really makes it uh, makes it special. Well, I think it's also special, it's got to be anyway, to be able to go back. I know you can't get back every single year, but when you can go right. back and be a part of it, you must feel like you're renewing your vows in a way, like you're winning it all over again. Yeah, it, it, you really are, and, and you're part of something that is for life and not just from year to year, and, you know, people forget about it and, and you move on. It, this is every single year. Uh, you're you're forever a Heisman Trophy winner. And that's why it's like it's funny when people say, oh, the former Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I get it. It's just a slip of the tongue, but no, you're a Heisman Trophy winner uh, for the rest of your life, and, and to come together in that uh, that manner and, and usher in a new uh, new brother into the fraternity is, is always special. Andre, thanks so much for the time. Safe travels, and we'll see you Sunday in Nashville. All right, buddy. I'll see you there. There's Andre Ware. Thanks to him, and thanks to Mike Keith for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening to this. Also, you can pick up our podcasts wherever you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great day, everyone. Don't forget, check out the game Sunday at noon on Sports Radio 610 of the Bull 100.3 FM. Have a great day, and go Texans!